You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church or service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Really sorry if I'm heavy breathing in this part. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there. <laughs> so, uh, any of you that know me will know that I never wear a shirt to church. <laughs> so, today I've made a special effort, but I decided to keep my shorts on. So, <laughs> if that's going to cause you a problem or difficulty, my spindly legs, I do apologise. But I'm very hot in here all the time, so it's necessary. Right, I'm just going to pray before we begin. So. Amen. I just pray for your power to come into this word. I pray that these, these are your words. We're studying your word, the Bible. And in particular, words that you spoke. And I just pray that as we study them, there will be an impact from you in this service. In Jesus' name. Amen. So... I want to start by telling you a story. I'm still a little bit loud. Am I a bit loud? No. Oh, okay. Oh, great. It sounds really loud here. Wonderful. So, I want to start by telling you a story about a pastor. Right, this guy, he's a keen golfer. And he's virgin and obsessed. Uh, every chance he would get, he'd be out on the golf course swinging away. Like I said, he's a bit obsessed. So, one Sunday he got up and the weather was fantastic. Clear blue sky, sun out, no rain, no wind, perfect golf day. And he got into a bit of a dilemma. Eventually he decided to call the assistant pastor and tell him that he was too ill to preach. He stuck his golf bag in his boot and he drove to a golf course three hours away where nobody would recognise him. Happily, he began to play the course. An angel had noticed what the pastor was doing and decided to tell God about it. Have you noticed what this pastor's up to? He said. Surely you're not going to let him carry on. God nodded, but said nothing. The pastor teed up on the first hole and he swung at the ball and did a clean, perfect drive. Best of his golfing career. The ball soared effortlessly through the air and landed right in the hole 250 yards away. The perfect hole in one. <laughs> he was amazed and ecstatic. The angel was a little bit shocked and he turned to God and said, I thought you were going to punish him or something. And God just smiled and then replied, Think about it. Who's he going to tell? <laughs> Very interestingly, Tom said he's preaching at another church today. <laughs> Assistant pastor. <laughs> just uh, let you make up your own minds. Not suspicious at all. Anyway, let's, uh, let's get into the Word. So if you've got your Bibles or you've got some sort of device that you like to look it up on, uh, please free, feel free to look at the Scripture, just so you know that I'm not making it up. Alternatively, it's going to be on the screen here, and uh, we're reading from the NLT because I like it. So this is Mark 10, 17, and it's when Jesus meets a rich man on the road. A rich man. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you must know the commandments. 
You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give all the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around at his disciples. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them, but Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. These are Jesus' words, and there's some strong challenges in there. So, to start with, I just want to give you some facts to show how this is really relevant to us. Um, according to a wealth calculator on givingwhatwecan.org, if you live in the UK and you have a total household income of £25,000, that's total, not two people, and your household has two adults and two children, then you are in the richest 13.5% of the world's population. The reality is, even if you don't earn that much, if you have running water, shelter, clothes, food to eat, and some form of transportation, even if it's public transport, you're in the richest 15% of the world's population. So it's, I mean, I don't know all of your situations, but it's pretty safe to say all of us are, are pretty wealthy. You know, even if you're in the top 20% of the world's population, we're incredibly wealthy here. So we should be heeding what's going on in this story, because this is a wealthy man, and we're wealthy. We can probably all imagine how it would feel if someone asked us to sell all our possessions and give the money to the poor. But we'll come back to that. First, let's ask, what, what was the rich man doing? He was inquiring about salvation. He's after eternal life. And he's, he's obviously a doer when Jesus challenges on the commandments. He says he's kept them. He's done it all. And he's maybe a little bit smug as well. I've done that, I've done this one. He didn't really see Jesus for who he really was. He refers to him as good teacher. And Jesus appears quite harsh here. Almost like he's deliberately sending this guy away. In fact, he's actually cutting through to the point and he's challenging the heart. He's actually giving the man the gospel. And he points to himself in the end as the way to eternal life and tells the man what he must do. But it's too difficult for him and he leaves. And Jesus is actually not a very good salesman here. I mean, if you think about it from a worldly perspective, you know, if you're trying to close a deal and, and get something done, you know, he, he, if he was starting this new religion and he's trying to get people on board with it, you know, you're trying to give them some, you know, come on, you can do it, you can come with me. But he actually just, he's straight up, he says it how it is and the man has to go because he can't commit in that way. He's radically different from any other leader or figure in history that's ever been or ever will be. In fact, if you read through other similar stories, 
He does the same kind of thing in Luke 9, 57 with other people who want to follow him. And it's, it appears similarly kind of harsh and cold. Um, most leaders, again, would be trying to sell or promote their agenda with promises, and usually promises that they can't keep. Have you ever been missold PPI? <laughs> Everybody here has had that call. And the reason is that we all bought into something that was being missold. We all bought something without all the facts and without seeing the small print. Recently, uh, Abby and I went to the cinema to see The Lion King, which is, the cinematography is amazing, but I sort of, some of the voices let it down a bit for me. But it's still, still moving. I'd recommend you go and see it. It's good anyway. But uh, at the start of the, of the reel, there was an advert um, for an unlimited card. An unlimited card. <laughs> Which basically means that you can see as many films as you want. I, mean, I don't know if any of you have seen this advert, but um, it's a new one. And it's, it's basically about a man and he appears really sad. You know, everything's terrible, his life, he's going through the basic motions of life and he's getting up every day and he's going away to his work and just, oh, he's a bit too. And he's just generally appears really pretty unhappy with his life. Um, and he sees this advert on a bus shelter for the cinema card and suddenly. <laughs> Everything starts going well, and uh, he's he's happy all the time. Everybody's laughing. He's got these friends. He's got a girlfriend now. It's it's wonderful, and all his troubles are gone because he's got the unlimited card. <laughs> and it's a massive lie. <laughs> They're trying to sell us a lie that constant entertainment on tap is going to satisfy us. It's a lie. It's being missold, it's being misrepresented. Jesus isn't like that. He's not trying to reel this guy in with empty promises. He lays out the facts and there is no small print. The reason that Jesus seems really harsh in this and the other stories in Luke I mentioned is because the men that are asking, they don't understand the kingdom of God. They don't understand what it is to follow Christ, what he requires. It's hard. It's hard because it's costly. And it's really interesting that Margaret brought up there about uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. A few weeks ago I read the book, um, The Cost of Discipleship. And it's a really, really intense book, but it's some really rich stuff in there. And uh, again, the man's life is amazing. And ultimately he ends up giving his life for Christ, uh, trying to overthrow the Nazis. So if you want to read that, I'd recommend it. But there's some, some rich, rich teaching in there. And some of that is, is in here. The talk of costly grace and not cheap grace. It's a huge thing. It's a huge issue. Last week we read aloud John 3.16 that whosoever believes shall be saved. And this is a really important word, believes. Many people believe in Jesus. Most Muslims believe in Jesus. They don't believe he's good, he's God, but they do believe he was a great prophet. So let's not get confused about this. This word believes means a lot more. The Greek word, which is probably translated from the Aramaic into the Greek, the Greek word is pistuo, which I might have said wrong. Um, but it means to have faith in, to put trust in, to commit. That's what the word believe means here. It's not simply a case of believes he exists or existed and carry on as normal. As we talked about last week, I'm not trying to add to the gospel, hopefully unpacking further this commitment to Christ and what it looks like. 
This is what Jesus is getting at at the end of the conversation with this rich man. He's asking this man to put his trust in Jesus. This man's security, his identity is wrapped up in his wealth and in his possessions. Does that sound familiar? It's society, it's what's around us and it's telling us that that's what we need to do. Jesus is asking for everything. He's saying, think before you try and follow me. He's not sprucing it up. He's not mis-selling it. You're not going to get a call in a few years saying, excuse me, have you been so missold Christ? No way, no fee. He seems harsh, but he's actually being really straight up with the man. And it actually says in verse 21 that Jesus loves him. He's saying this out of love. He's saying, come follow, but you need to give me your all. Jesus doesn't necessarily want you to sell everything. That's not exactly what we're talking about here. He might ask you to, if it's coming between you and him. But the point is, if we want to follow Christ, he demands absolute commitment. This is not absolute obedience. The two are different. Nobody can achieve absolute obedience. We're not talking about works here. We're not talking about doing things to get to Christ. We've dispelled that notion only through faith, by grace. Absolute commitment is a willingness to abdicate the throne of your life, to make Jesus king, to entrust your everything to him. He's saying to the rich young man, nothing can come between Jesus and the one that he's called. He's talking about heart. And this man knows he holds his wealth too tight. He realises, I can't entrust all this to Jesus. I can't give everything to Jesus. And he misses out on eternity because of what he holds more dearly than Christ. What are you holding dearer than Christ? It's quite a big question. Maybe it's your wealth. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your family. There's obviously an initial commitment here when we believe and trust in him. It brings us into fellowship with him. And he's asking that nothing else be given a higher place in our hearts. When we commit to Christ and ask him into our lives and ask him to be the Lord of our lives, we enter his kingdom. Wonderful. After this, it becomes a continual willingness to surrender because you can get caught up in worldly things again. God's obviously been challenging me a lot on this issue lately. Uh, as you can tell. Um, and I've been scrolling through things in my head. I've been trying to go, oh, I'm gonna, oh, if, I, if I couldn't live where I live, or if I, if I couldn't have my couch, I really like my couch, if I couldn't have my couch, you know, I can live without it, Lord. Christ is enough for me. And I'm scrolling through, and it's, there's lots of things that are really easy to give, you know, you're like, oh, I can give, give the kettle, I've got a pan, you know, I can carry on. It's great, easy peasy. And things like family, and, you know, am I going to trust my my unborn child to God? Oh, that's a big question. So there's other things that get difficult, and this might sound really silly to all of you, but I got to my tools. <laughs> if you don't know, I'm a, I'm a cabinet maker by trade, and I really, really like my tools. In fact, I thought far say I love my tools. <laughs> and I've got some really nice tools as well. I mean, they're not just sharp and good to use, pretty <laughs> and I, I got to those things and I thought oh, 
and that's, that's mine. You know, I need those things, you see, God. And if I didn't have those things, I wouldn't be able to do this, I wouldn't be able to do that. I, I, I need to have that. So I couldn't just sell all that because I'm just excusing it away, excusing away the words of Jesus that is, he's challenging my heart. Can I surrender all that to him? Can I surrender it to God in my heart? Give it to him. Trust him with it. You can't just do this intellectually. It's to do with your spirit. It's to do with surrendering the desires of this world to enter his kingdom. Everything around you here is telling you to get more. Consumerism is rife. Everything around us is designed to tell us that our security is in our homes and in the bank and in our pretty things. And all this stuff will fade away. None of it lasts. And ultimately, none of it satisfies. The unlimited card will get you into the cinema anytime you want. You can see a million films. It will not satisfy you in your soul. There's more though. The issues of the heart that can stop us from committing and trusting in Jesus don't just stop with physical things. It could be your family. If you place people or a person higher than God in your life, that's a barrier between you and Christ. I'm not saying that you should give up your family, but the very opposite, you should give them up to God. Entrust them to God. This is a big one. It could be your vanity. It's another symptom of living in this world that we're in, the new Instagram world. You've seen everybody on the street. And then they don't like, they don't like the angle, so they're like, oh no, oh no, that's down angle, they're like, oh, you know? Extreme vanity. It's a world of constant self-improvement. Look that way, look this way. If you look like that, you'll be happy. All the pictures you see, oh, if I can only look like her, if I can only look like him, I'll be happy, I'll be satisfied. And it's a lie. It's an epidemic. People are worshipping their bodies. And if they're not, they're being made to feel like they should be. Give it to God, surrender it. Your body is gonna die. Beautiful to you or not. It will die away. It's a temporary feeling of happiness and security. What about your soul, though? We need eternal perspective here. Give it up in your heart. Obviously, it's good to exercise. It's good to stay healthy, to keep your body well. That is honourable to God. But not if it's an idol. If it's coming between you and him, surrender it. Maybe it's golf. Like man on the story. Is it coming between you and Christ? Is it an obsession? Imagine Jesus was talking to you directly in a story. It might be riches he asks you to give up, but it could be one of these other things. Whatever you place higher than God in your life, you are worshipping. That is where your joy is. Surrender it to God. Let there be no barriers, absolute commitment. It should be a continuous attempt to put him first. A 
continuous willingness to absolutely commit to Jesus unconditionally, without question, in every situation, no compromise. That's, that's big. The other reason you might be recoiling against this is that no one finds it easy to submit to authority. Everyone wants to rule themselves. We as people are generally awful at coming under authority. We just don't like it. We want to be the boss. We want to decide. We want to have the final say. I don't like it. I, I struggle with that. Jesus is asking us to surrender that too, to come under authority, his authority. As Christians, even when we have said to God, I give you my all, when we've sung these songs, it's so easy to get wrapped back up in the things of the world that take a hold of us, or the ideas of the world which tell us to keep control and to try and save ourselves. And he says we can't. We can't have life in him and hold on to this life. He calls us to die to this life and be raised with him. What is it in your life that you're not surrendering to Christ? That you're trying to keep control of? Do you have conditions on this surrender? I'll trust you with everything except my children. I'll trust you with everything except my career. I'll trust you with everything except my health. I'm going to worry about that. I'll take care of it. Who do you trust more to look after these things? You or God? You can have no conditions on your allegiance to Christ. You can't say, I'll follow you, but. Or I'll surrender to you if. It has to be unconditional. If you're having a problem with this right now, it probably means this message is for you. It probably means there's something in there. Dig deep and figure out what it is. We, all, we find all kinds of excuses to try and protest why we need to put our trust in our money, in our things. And I do it all the time. You, one moment you're here singing, and then the next minute you go, oh, well, if I did that, and I invested over there to get, you know, then I could make more money, and then I could do that, you know. I'm not saying any investments are bad, or that business is bad, or any of that. You know what I'm talking about. It's what is in my heart. Do I trust God with all this? Or am I trying to make for myself more so that I'm secure. There's two different things going on there. One of them is, is fine and healthy. You know, we do, the economy has to work. We have to work, we do things. But the other one is in my heart, how I am surrendering things. If I'm holding on to things, if I'm putting them in front of Christ. We need to capture those thoughts. I will trust you, God. I will give it to you. Equally, we don't put our trust in Christ thinking that we're going to get the things of this world. If God blesses us, and that's great, but there will be most likely suffering too. I'm sure if you speak to people in this fellowship, they've all been through suffering while they've been Christians. It's not that that's going to end. It's not for a second telling you that if you trust in him, no suffering is going to come your way ever again. That's a lie as well. It's about understanding that we've entered partially into the kingdom, but there's so much more to come. There will be a time when there's no suffering, yes. But if you look at our examples, Christ and the disciples, if you look at the lives of the disciples, most of them died awful Christ, an awful death for Christ. Romans 5, 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. 
Well, that's a whole other challenge, a whole other message. Fortunately, Tom's just finished a series in here about the kingdom, so there should be some pretty good understanding of the kingdom in here. Um, many of the things that you want and think are important may never come to you. Health, wealth, power, status, reputation. And the reason is because the kingdom doesn't consist of these things. The first shall be last. It's upside down. The reason it's so hard for the rich to enter is because we rely so much on our riches. We put so much weight and security in them that we ultimately struggle to fully commit to Christ, to fully trust him with our everything. We put our trust in Christ and then we turn around and start trying to figure out how we can make more money, not so that we can survive, but so that we can buy more and more things. If you really want to know what to expect from following Jesus, look at Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom. He had no status, no wealth, no credentials, and he didn't even have a house. That's who you're getting on board with. All that stuff that you think is the pinnacle of human ability and, and desire, Jesus had none of it. There's so much more for us in the kingdom than the temporary things around us. Peace, joy, real joy, love, eternal life. When we come into his kingdom and he starts to nurture these things in us, we're adopted by God, we're heirs to the throne with Christ. These are eternal things, things that will never fade away. I don't want to deceive you. I don't want to tell you just to believe in Christ and carry on as normal and carry on living as you are. The grace that we talk about is absolutely free, but it's also incredibly costly, as we heard from Margaret there as well. First, it cost Jesus his life on the cross. And yes, it seems easy to accept and receive this grace, but he wants your all, your everything. Think about it. It's costly. It's costly grace. You can't weigh up God's kingdom against the world and try to figure out which one is better for you in your head in an objective way. It's not really possible because they're at odds with each other. If he, says who he, if he is who he says he is, then Jesus is a direct threat to the way of life that the world is encouraging you to live. If you want to carry on living however you want, unchallenged, then you have every reason not to want to believe in him. Then you can just carry on being your own little king, controlling everything in your life, your way, doing whatever you want, in fear, in anxiety, stressing about everything with no hope and with no salvation. You have to look at what Jesus demands. He's not trying to hide it. He's not misselling it. It's not an intellectual thing or ultimately even a moral thing. It's an intensely radical spiritual thing. So you're probably asking, why would we do this? Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. We can have fellowship with Christ here and now. We can enter into God's kingdom, which is more wonderful and incredible than we can even imagine. It's ultimate satisfaction in God. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, 
will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. People might be asking, if you're not a Christian here today, how are these people so full of hope? Why have they got this confidence in, in this person who didn't have any status or credentials? Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Radically spiritual thing. This all seems impossible. How can I have absolute commitment to Christ? How can anyone be saved if Jesus demands so much? And in verse 26, the disciples ask the same question. Verse 26 says, The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Only by God's grace can we be saved. Even when we try to fully commit to him, there will be times when we fall down. But his grace is enough for us. Everything is possible with God. Believe in the Lord Jesus, make him your king. Let there be a constant and consistent willingness to trust everything to him, every moment of every day. The reward of which will be true life in Christ, in the kingdom, now and for eternity. That's unconditional surrender for unimaginable splendor. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Christ did the work on the cross for us, so that through his grace, if we trust in him, we can enter into fellowship with him and have everlasting life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that you constantly challenge us with the things you said and did.